Help keep Kinks and Beats Daily alive with a $4 monthly contribution and receive exclusive bonus episodes as our thank you to you. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more details. Hello, 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 and welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. This is your host, Tony Fry, and we are on episode 179. Thank you for downloading. If you haven't done so yet, please swing by iTunes, leave me a five-star rating and review, even if you listen on other platforms. It helps us a lot to um, get new listeners and, and to spread the word that this podcast exists. Also, I want to remind you to give me a call, 925-494-1739. I am looking for songs by either band or their members, Kinks, Beatles, John, George, Paul, Ringo, Dave, Ray. Um that you've changed your opinion on as you've gotten older. Maybe you loved them before and you hate them now. You hated them before, you love them now. I want to know what song you've changed your opinion on, how you've changed your opinion, what led you to that new opinion. And um, we're going to use all those voicemails on a future bonus episode. Okay, today we are talking about You Like Me Too Much by The Beatles. This song was written by George. It was released August 6, 1965 on the album Help. And the song was originally recorded uh, to be included in the Help film, uh, but it wasn't, as anybody that's seen the movie would tell you. Um, but instead, they used it on the B side for the soundtrack with the other non-film tracks. So the A side was all the tracks from the movie, and then the B side was just miscellaneous tracks that they had lying around. And the miscellaneous tracks that they had lying around were some of their most iconic songs, including You Like Me Too Much. Uh, recording began February 17th, 1965, and includes John on electric piano and Paul with George Martin on a Steinway Grand. And they did eight takes recorded in that session. They did the mono mix the next night. They did the stereo mix uh, like a week later, and then it was done. So not a ton of studio time devoted to this track. Like I said, it was written by George. It's the third George Harrison composition to be recorded by the band following Don't Bother Me from With the Beatles and I Need You, which was also on Help. That one was on the A-side. That's in the movie. Um, And despite it being only his third released composition, some of the hallmarks of Harrison's signature sound are already firmly in place. For example, uh, he has a complete disregard for the downbeat of a measure. Um, And it's very evident in in this track and i don't mean that as i I say that tongue-in-cheek i you know as you know harrison is one of my favorite songwriters of all time but um the first four notes on this vocal when he says though you've gone a those are on downbeats it's beats three four one and two though you've gone uh though you've gone oh you know what i might have uh that might be a misprint in the uh, in the official music. Anyway, it starts off on downbeats. And then it's nothing but upbeats except for one syllable for the rest of the phrase. And if you listen to it, you don't even really notice it, that he never hits a downbeat. You know? But how often do vocal melodies not hit one? And he goes pretty much the whole song without ever hitting one. Though you've gone away this morning, you'll be back again tonight, telling me there's no 
next time if I just don't treat you right. Right? Those are all upbeats. And then he gets to the, you'll never love me and you know it's true. Because you like me too much and I like you. All upbeats. Very rarely hits the downbeats on this on this uh, melody, which is cool. Um, and then the phrasing of his vocals on these syncopated rhythms drives the song forward and adds to the energy of the performance. And John on his electric piano is helping support both the vocals and the band because he lands very heavily on the downbeat of one at the start of every measure. But he follows it with a chord on the end of two that sustains the rest of the bar. And that upbeat chord lines up with whatever George is singing. And then the downbeat bar does not line up with anything George sings, but kind of grounds the rhythm section. So he's doing that. And that's kind of keeping everybody in line and really establishes the entire groove. What further complicates this melody, though, is that the entire song is played in a shuffle, which means that um, the upbeats are actually closer to the following downbeat than their associated downbeat, and it would normally be played evenly. And what I mean by associated is that, you know, there's beat one, and then there's the end of one, the upbeat of one. And when you're playing a shuffle, that upbeat is actually closer to beat two than it is to beat one, right? Because instead of going evenly, we're moving that upbeat to the right a little bit and and kind of subdividing in triplets. So instead of going one and two and three and four, we're going one, one, a two, a three, a four. And if you were to play eighth note triplets underneath it, That's where that subdivision comes from. So it, it moves the upbeat a little closer to the next downbeat. And when you have your whole melody based on that, uh, it adds even more forward movement because the vocals seem to be getting ahead of themselves without ever actually getting ahead. Because they don't feel like they're behind the beat. You know, they, the upbeat of one, even though it's closer to two, still feels like a part of that first beat because of the way the song's constructed. So it doesn't feel like he's hitting the notes early. It feels like they're just a, like he's falling forward and and he spends two and a half minutes just falling forward, but never really falling. He keeps catching himself, you know? It's cool. And uh, uh, heavily syncopated melodies, which is just placing a strong notes on the upbeats. Uh, you know, when you have lyrics... You know, when I'm talking, you know, if I say the rain in Spain stays mainly in the plains, you know where that pulse is. I'm, I'm, the strong syllables are very apparent. And by doing the syncopated melodies, he's putting those strong syllables on weak beats, the ands, or making them full quarter notes, you know, so the and of two for a full quarter note, that's a syncopated melody. Um, and this is going to be a characteristic of Harrison's music for the rest of his career. And it's going to pop up a lot in our discussions going forward of, of the rest of his Beatles stuff and his solo stuff. And um, it's a main talking point in an upcoming bonus episode 
about George Harrison's signature sound because more than any of the guys that we talk about on this podcast, he has a, a very instantly recognizable signature sound to his songwriting. And there are certain aspects that he goes back to frequently that give him, that's how you can tell it's a George Harrison song. Um, and that bonus episode will be, will be distributed to the folks that contribute $4 a month to our podcast to keep it ad free and to keep the lights on. Um, the rest of you will have to wait several years because I'm not going to release that to everybody until um, we're out of songs. So um, harmonically, there isn't a ton to discuss on this track, although it is unusual. Because the verse starts on a two chord, which is a minor chord, then shifts to a four, and then goes to one. So where most pop songs would start with the one chord and then build off from there, he starts with a two, and he's doing a two, four, one chord progression. We're in the key of G, by the way. And then he shifts. It's not really a bridge. It's kind of more of a turnaround back to the top. Um, he shifts to a three chord with a seven on top of it, then a five, seven chord, then a one chord, then a four chord, then a five chord. And that turnaround, and that's the part um, where he says, the uh, you'll never leave me and you know it's true. And then usually that D7 chord that he's ending on, that's the 5 chord. Most people would resolve it down to the G. But he resolves it to the A minor, which is back to 2. So we're doing... And that's kind of cool because they both have a C in common. The 7 in a D7 chord is C. And then um, the 3 in an A minor chord is C. And then they both have A's in common. It's the fifth on the D chord. It's the the root on the A minor chord. So they're 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 similar chords. They they have two common tones. But it's not the resolution that you would expect following a, a D seven chord in a pop song. It's a, a deceptive cadence. Um, and then for the bridge, he kind of shifts to D major, but he never actually plays a D chord. The chord progression in D would be 4, 2, 7, 5, 7, 6, 5, 2, 7, 5, 7, 5, 7, 1, 7. Okay? So he's gone this whole length of time without ever playing just a regular D chord. And that 1, 7 chord is technically the tonic. But by adding the 7th, by making it a 1, 7 instead of just a 1, he's actually playing um, a 5 of 4. It's the only borrowed chord in this entire song. And that returns us to the home key of G, right? So it's a pivot chord back home. But just like the bridge never plays the tonic um, and and how the verses ended with that 5-7 and didn't resolve home, this 5-7 is another deceptive cadence that doesn't resolve to the tonic and instead resolves to the 2-4-1 chord progression. So in a lot of ways, this song is virtually absent of a tonic. Although the chords being played are all firmly in a home key. He doesn't borrow any chords. Like I said, that that one seven is technically the only borrowed chord, and it's not really, I mean, it still works in the key um, of G. 
So it's only borrowed if we're actually transposing to the key of C, D. But in the key of G, it's it's fine. So he he's really that one chord is the only borrowed chord. Um, so he's established a home key, but he never really establishes a tonic. You never get that resolution um, in either G or D, depending on where you are. And that bridge I'm talking about is, um, let me play it for you here. It's the, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, the, And it's nice when you believe me If you need me And the other cool thing about coming in and resolving to the A minor is that the note, the chord right before it is an A major chord. So he's doing this... Uh, A7, D7, A minor. So it's a cool little turnaround. Uh, and then the, the outro is the only time we really have an established key of G resolution. Um, the three-bar intro of the song was recorded after the fact. George Martin and Paul are playing the grand piano. They're playing two different parts on the same piano, and John does the electric piano. And like I said, it's only John's electric piano that continues through the song. That... Um, Grand Piano is only there to bookend this track. At the end of the day, this isn't a top-tier Beatles track. And it probably ranks uh, on the bottom half of most people's favorite Harrison tracks with the Beatles. Um, But that said, had any other band of that era written and recorded this track, it probably would have been the lead single and the, the best song on the album. But the fact that Harrison's third and very strong, this is a good song. I like this song a lot. Um, but the, his third offering to the band also appears next to Help, The Night Before, You've Gotta Hide Your Love Away, Another Girl, Ticket to Ride, It's Only Love, I've Just Seen a Face, Yesterday, and his own song, I Need You, is just an embarrassment of riches that no band can ever truly match. Um, not to mention the hit singles that weren't even included on this album. So, you know, had he come to another band with this song, it probably would have been a massive hit, but... You know, when you're when you're throwing it in with this just super hit making machine that they were at that point, it's easy for this song to uh, to rank pretty low, even though it's a great song. So that's um, uh, you like me too much. If you like this uh, podcast too much, consider donating four dollars a month, 20 cents an episode Um, helps us keep the lights on, helps us keep this ad free. You know, offsets the cost of the uh, podcast. And uh, if everybody that downloaded contributed at least one donation a month, um, we could do a whole lot more bonus episodes and stuff and, uh, and, and continue maintaining a regular schedule. All right. You can find all the information you need at herohabit.com. Follow us um, there. You can follow our new Facebook group. We are now on Twitter. Find us everywhere. Just go to herohabit.com. Under the podcast button, there's a Kinks and link, kinks and Beats link. And um, you can find all the information you need about the podcast. And don't forget to call with your change of opinion songs. All right. I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for downloading.
This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.